Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about a conversation about biblical counseling. I am thrilled because after many years of trying, uh, we have finally been able to get Nick and Vanessa Ellen on the podcast. Uh, Many of you know Nick and Vanessa, uh, their influence in the biblical counseling world, and uh, just uh, the multiple ways that they have contributed and helped us uh, in in lots of different parts of biblical counseling. Uh, Nick, of course, is Senior Professor of Biblical Counseling at the College of Biblical Studies, where you've been for 28 years. 28 years, yes, sir. And uh, he is also Pastor of Community of Faith Bible Church. Uh, Vanessa is the church administrator and does uh, other ministry with the women there and the music, and she's also adjunct professor at Central Seminary. Both of them are doctors. So what's it like if you, like, you're married to a doctor? You're both doctors. Is that, uh, Let's just say it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, and, and, I, and I hear she actually got her Ph.D. before you. Is that right? Yes, so. that is correct. Yes, she, but he had his demon before me. Okay, okay. Well, guys, I meant what I said. It's so great to have both of you uh, here in North Texas. First of all, uh, we're recording this uh, as we get ready for a counseling training weekend here, so we're so thankful to have you guys here for that. But I just thought we would spend some time today talking about biblical counseling. You guys have been doing training and doing counseling for many years now. And um, so maybe we just start. Tell us, how, how did you guys get into biblical counseling? Well, I think it started with me back in 1995, 96, where I ran into a gentleman. His name was Dr. Well, Rich Thompson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rich Thompson was a professor at the College of Biblical Studies. And he was just saying some very profound things. And I thought, I want to know what you know. And we got to know each other. And that began a journey. And from there, I went to a shepherd's conference and ran into Stuart Scott, John Street, uh, Wayne Mack, and they really had an influence on me in some of the conferences and workshops. And that just started the journey from that time on to learning from them and growing to where I just got excited. And before I knew it, I was into the process of training and doing a lot of counseling. So it was just exciting. And you were ACBC certified when? Do you remember when that was? I believe it was 2004 or 2005, Uh somewhere around there. And for many years, you guys were the sole training center in Texas. And Texas is a big place. Yes. And so you guys have been doing uh, training for ACBC and counseling uh, longer than most in Texas. It's been interesting. And it wasn't for lack of not trying to push other places. I remember when I met with Randy Patton. And uh, he had mentioned the idea of coming to Texas. I said, well, Randy, even in the Houston area, we need at least 50 training centers. He said, that piqued my interest. And so from that time forward, it just became this broad push to try to see what we can do here. That's awesome. Vanessa, tell us your story. How did you get into biblical counseling? Well, I like to say I needed counseling, (laughs) but I didn't know that I needed counseling. I don't think I intended to be a biblical counselor. I think I was just going along with him. Uh, following along, and I ended up at the master's college and took some of the classes. And I tell you what, it was really a blessing, truly a blessing. Now, a part of that their degree program, because we were in SIP, Summer Institute Program of Master's 
I think it was seminary, Masters College. Was it Master's called Masters College. College at the yeah, time? Back yeah, then it was yeah, College. they've changed the name. But um, we were in the SIP program, going through. Part of that program was you had to write your, um, what do they call it now? Write for the exams, oh, the counseling the exam, exam and the theological right. exam. Yeah. It was a part of the class. So I don't know that I actually was pursuing this. I was just going along in the degree program. Before you knew it. Here we are, biblical yeah. counseling after all these years. Yeah. So you guys have counseled individually. You've counseled together. You've trained counselors. So maybe we can just talk about some of that. Again, our listeners yeah. I think would really benefit just from hearing about all this experience that you guys have in, in different dimensions of counseling. So um, talk to us about um, maybe when you guys have occasion to counsel together doing marriage counseling. What, what does that dynamic look like? How do you guys prepare um, give us some thoughts for those of us that are trying to counsel together um, on teams like that. Part of what we do is we, we go over the PDI together uh, when we do counsel together. And what's interesting is I may see some things um, and then my wife will pick up on something that wasn't said or something that was written in a certain way. And so then we just have a lot of dialogue from there. And then we strategically identify what is that first session need to look like, you know, and as we kind of have some speculations from the halo data that we've read, that kind of helps us to formulate questions and ideas. And so mm-hmm. we kind of talk about that and then we get in there and then we kind of play off each other a little bit because, you know, we kind of understand each other. And so I may say something and then she'll look at me a certain way <laughs> and then I get this idea that, okay, she's got something she wants to jump in and do. And so we, over the years, we've learned to play off each other. So we have yeah. a skit kind of, here's the direction, mm-hmm. but we, we're open because something may show up that we didn't think about. And so it's kind of how we work it mm-hmm. and, um, she, you know, what I appreciate about my wife, she would kind of look at me to say, all right, should we stop here or go forward? And we kind of have this thing going on that we couldn't say out loud, but right. we're, yeah. we're looking at each other to go, yeah, do this, don't do uh-huh. that, do this. And so that's kind of what we do a lot. And then yeah. after the session, we'll regroup and say, okay, well, what should we have done differently? Or, mm-hmm. okay, what's our next step? What homework assignment should we be thinking about in the future? Should we continue together? Should I take him? Should you take her? Should we continue? And so it's just a lot of that process mm-hmm. together. And because we've had the same training from the same professors, Wayne Max, Stuart Scott, uh, the yeah. process is John Street. They're, yeah. they're in our heads. Yeah, right. So we kind of are together. She'll say halo data, and I'll go, that's right. And I'm hearing Wayne Mack, go for the heart, Nicholas. Go for the heart. <laughs> so all those things kind of you know yeah. help us, and it, it just really guides us through a good process together. And I should have asked you, you guys have been married how many years? Be 26 in December, okay. December 20th. So you're leaning on a lot of that experience mm-hmm. to sort of read each other, kind yeah. of know yes. how to communicate even non-verbally in the yes. session yeah. or where do we go, yes. and and, uh, and then tra- uh, preparing together is what I hear you saying, too. Yes. That's real key. So. Yeah, and it's helpful, I think, to have another female in the room sometimes to kind of say, well, I think this is what maybe she's trying to communicate, mm-hmm. you know, from a, from a female perspective. Also, what I found helpful over the years is, Yes, it's a husband and a wife in the room, but I found that it's very helpful when a female is in the room to um, structure how you communicate with the husband, not come across as if you are guiding him or instructing him or leading over him. Um, and I like to, to start by saying, if you know, if I want more information from him, may I ask you a question or um, have you thought about maybe considering this? Maybe your wife would see it this way instead of 
lording over him or leading him or guiding yep. him, making suggestions instead yep. of uh, declarations on what he should or should not do. Yeah, yeah that's really valuable. Um, and, and hearing it from another wife is, yes. is ideal. And even just, you know, we know in counseling, we're obviously ministering from the word and that's primary. Mm-hmm. But but in a secondary way, hopefully we're modeling yes. good application of that. So I'm sure they're watching the two of you interact. Exactly. They're hearing how yeah. you're framing mm-hmm. questions, how you're responding to her and the benefit of having both of you in the room and doing marriage counseling is, is really very, very valuable. Yes, and I think the other thing that I have learned over the years is that even if I disagree with his assessment in the room, I do not bring it up in that moment. I'll wait until later when we do our debrief and say, you know, I was wondering about the way you went at this. Would, would you consider this? I mm-hmm. think maybe this would have gotten to her this way. Yeah. And he's very open and receptive. Yeah. But it can be, uh, you talked about modeling, it can be very disruptive if then the counselors then break out in a fight, right. you know, in the what middle of the fight. Yeah, yeah. That's not like, what yeah. I meant to say. What yeah. you so, say so you don't that? have a look where you look at them like, you're getting it wrong. Yeah. Right? You, know? yeah. <laughs> you wait till after the session. Right. Yeah. And even that's instructive, isn't it? That, yeah. You know, we want to think about even when we have to give loving feedback to yes. our spouses, that we do it in a way that's charitable and not usually public, right? Right. right. Unless it's called for, but yeah, well, that's great. That's really good. And I, I think, um, the, again, the benefit of doing couples counseling with other couples. Um, but what I hear you saying is I, I've had couples tell me before, my wife and I could never do that. And and what I hear you guys saying is a lot of that grows out of just a fruit of your marriage, yeah. of your communication, of your yeah. common training that you've had. And, and you guys both have a maturity to be able to look at each other and work together in the room and uh, and have something that, that's really harmonious. Um, but... Uh, but that okay, didn't yeah. start out that way. It comes over years of yeah. time and pruning and sanctification, mm-hmm. you know, being sanctified by the marriage process yeah. over the years. Because I had to learn as a pastor's wife to hear the word and not necessarily hear him. And I know mm-hmm. that sounds crazy, but if you have a um, a disagreement with your husband and you show up on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., he is also the preacher. Right. <laughs> You've got to learn to set that aside. Hmm. And that took years of training because the word of God is still the word of God, mm-hmm. no matter who's speaking it. Yeah. Uh, but there were years that I went through learning how not to miss my moment of learning the Bible just because I was upset with him. Yeah. It works the same way in the counseling room. I cannot bring my problems to that situation or even my perceived problems with him. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's really good. So let's shift a little bit from couples counseling to talk about training counselors. Again, you guys both train counselors. You do it in your church. You do it at the seminary and Bible college level. Uh, You do it at conferences. Um, A lot of our listeners are in the process of learning biblical counseling, you guys are veteran trainers. What, what, what are some tips that you would give to people that are learning biblical counseling and just some perspectives that might be beneficial for them? I think the first thing I, I see is the making sure that your, your theology is solid. A lot of guys have jumped into biblical counseling, but they haven't developed in their systematic biblical theology. And so many times I would say to them, I think we should go back a step. Let's not take another counseling course or another counseling training. Let's go back and brush up and let's develop in the systematic theology. Where it's not that, the other side of the coin is not really having a true diagnostic that is holistic to distinguish between the fruit and the root issues and to see that 
you may be addressing this one little piece of the process in counseling, but this little piece is part of a whole. So if you put all of your mindset in just this little piece and not tied to a bigger whole, you miss more of a bigger problem here than just this little piece. Mm-hmm. And I just think having a good diagnostic tool is very important. That's comprehensive uh, biblical methodologies of really understanding progressive sanctification and the process of change and knowing what I call the phases and stages. You know, if this person has not yet come to see truth, why are you trying to guide them into change? You need to be focusing on guiding them to say you are here mm-hmm. and waiting for them to see it before there can be any process of change. Right. Knowing those type things are very vital. And I, mm-hmm. I see that there's a lack and many's training in that area. And I just try to push for them to process that with me when I'm training yeah. them. That's good. So, so a solid base in theology and then a comprehensive holistic methodology in terms of understanding. Sure. Good. Vanessa, what would you add to that? I would say that as... Christians first and counselors second, we need to really be intentional about watching our lifestyle and our doctrine. Mm. That it's very easy to tell others to do things that you yourself are not doing. We can fall into that pattern because we're constantly telling someone what to do in a counseling session without examining our own lives and looking into our own blind spots. I think integrity is really important for the biblical counselor the Christian first and then the biblical counselor. And I think that's a thing that maybe we're missing. We are busy. Our counseling load is, is full and packed and the time you prepare and you're reading all the reports and then you're filing your reports afterwards, you may miss the opportunity to grow in the grace and knowledge for yourself. Mm-hmm. So we should be intentional about our own walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, uh, we talked just about, you know, devotionally how we walk with God um, are there things that you guys specifically do to keep your own heart central in the midst of the training and the busyness and the teaching and whatnot? Um, what, what have you found that's helpful there? I've had to train myself to accept that I have to have two studies. One study would be for the people that I'm preparing to either preach to or teach or counsel. The second study is for myself. And when I realized that those two may not come together, it has forced me to say, this is my time of devotion to spend with the Lord in terms of worship, in terms of confessing, repenting, renewing, and then move from that to say, this is my time now for worship and prayer, wisdom seeking for this particular training. And it takes a little longer, but I've tried to, over the years, discipline my time between those two. And what it does, it, it really forces me to see myself in ways I wasn't really paying attention and go, wow. So I read a lot of different topical books. I read uh, particular books of the Bible that may be tied to where I am spiritually. Mm-hmm. And to kind of let that speak to my soul as God uses, again, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to work on me. And then, you know, maybe my wife would have said something that I didn't pay attention to, and I go back and I pull all those things together, and it becomes a time of truly evaluating and confession, repentance. And it's been very helpful over the years. And, you know, I listen to a lot of preaching and teaching for myself as well, different podcasts, different sermons on YouTube and mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. Any books, resources, podcasts you want to recommend that feed your soul regularly? Oh, man, I am heavy into I'm trying to think of... 
the authors, and I'm sure you're familiar with them. I'm heavy in the Paul trip. I like a yeah. lot of his material. I'm doing a lot of systematic theological work, mm-hmm. going back to uh, Hendricks, Grudem, mm-hmm. um, some of the things with, um, gosh, his, his skipping my mind now. You, I think you've mentioned it before. Um, Oh, my goodness. Why is my mind going blank? But it's systematic theological yeah. teaching. Yeah. I'm reading a sure. lot of that material as well as practical books like Christ Formed in You. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there's another one that's really heavy on my mind right now. It's um, – what is that gentleman's name? It will come back. I'll yeah, come back okay. to me on I'm that. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. So. But, no, it's good to that's do good. that. Yeah. No, very good. Very, very good. Vanessa? Well, I think – for me, it's been a process of learning what works because you have grandkids and then life and then the church and all these various things. But I try to start at the beginning of the year. I start with the new year. God gives me a new year. I will choose. I like to go through the whole Bible through the year. What I had to learn for myself was devotion could come in many different forms. I think I was taught you sit down, you sit down with a hard copy Bible, you turn the leaves, and and if you're not in hand, it's not in hand. You're not really having your devotion time. You set out two hours and you make that work. Over the years, I haven't been able to do that because I also suffer from many different autoimmunes. And so sometimes my eyes are not able to see what I need to see. So I made a modification this year. I still set to go through the whole Bible in the year. And I choose two commentaries to kind of supplement what I'm reading. But I switched to Audible hmm. and I started listening to the Bible. I found that even if I couldn't sit down or quote unquote, I was too busy. There's always washing your hair. There's doing the dishes. There's driving in the car. I found more hours to quote unquote devote to God mm-hmm. than what I had been pressing for for so many years was that sit down with the hard Bible. And I, I learned so much this year just by changing the way that I was doing my devotion. So I go through the whole Bible. I choose my two commentaries, and then I choose my specialties on what am I going through. I mostly teach on women's issues. So I choose a book dealing with women's issues, and then I choose an administration, church administration book for the year. And I was doing, then I choose something that deals with where I am in my own heart issues. And my husband wrote a book that I was going through, and I can never get it right. I should. I'm reading it. Um, <laughs> with all your heart. With all your heart. I always want to call it idols or something, but it's with all your heart, dealing with your idolatrous lust. Okay. So I was going through that book. I'm also going through right now, which is an amazing book, Brokenness by Nancy Lee DeMoss mm-hmm. Wagamuth. And I think I messed up her last name, but... Um, she turned it into a trilo- trilogy, Brokenness, Surrender, and something. But I'm going just through the book, Brokenness, and it is so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. yeah, she's a great author. So, Did you find I, it? I found him. I, it's like um, Heath Lambert, <laughs> The Great Love of God. Yes. And um, C.K. Beale, mm-hmm. uh, Reversible, situ- what is it called? Re- Redemptive Reversals is what it was mm-hmm. called. And uh, Alan Noble, you're not your own. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, those have been some great helps over the past few weeks oh, that I've great. been getting into. That's great. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, our, our counseling is only as good as our theology, right? So we have to keep that theology central and then uh, pay close attention to ourself and to our teaching, right? Yes. So we've got to keep our own hearts where it needs to be and, and growing that. I think that's good, especially for those of us that are doing counseling and active in ministry. It's so easy to put all the emphasis on that next case or that next teaching yes. and, and to neglect our hearts. And 
Um, so, so kind of pivoting from that, uh, we have guys that are that are learning counseling, that are doing training, and you guys have had some really good tips for us. Um, we also have a lot of folks that are listening that are already doing discipleship ministry or counseling ministry in a formal way. Um, one thing that's very important we all know is is what we're talking about, right? Keeping your own heart and and growing in our skills. So, what are some um, what's some advice for those that are already doing counseling, formal or informal? To just grow in those skills, to to stay sharp, um, what would you what would you say? I would say continue as much as you can to get to counseling conferences, and if you can't get to the conferences, at least pick out some of the uh, lectures or things that you can order and to to keep listening to. Um, don't stop learning as far as ideas for homework. And structuring the processes of change, of figuring out ways to ask questions. Don't don't lose sight of that. Uh, come up with different creative ways to guide people into processes of uh, sharing their hearts. I think that's important. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to stress a lot with people is the art of transition. Uh, how do you transition people from having a tough conversation to being encouraged? Uh, how do you transition from... Uh, gathering data to now let's start teaching. You know, don't stop learning different ways to do that, particularly in the ways of asking questions to guide people to see or to change. Even learning the art of questions. You know, some questions are to draw out, some questions are to get information, uh, some questions are to redirect. I mean, I would say learn a lot of those skills mm-hmm. and just continue to develop in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. I agree. I, I, I learned this at Masters, uh, carnal curiosity. I forget who was the instructor. I don't know if it was Wayne Mack or beware of carnal curiosity. Yeah. Like there are things you need to know, obviously, to get to the root issues. But then sometimes these are just things you want to know. Mm-hmm. So as we are training and learning to be better counselors, be careful of carnal curiosity. And what it, he defined it as wanting to know something that is not going to Add or take away from what you need to help that person grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Yeah. It's just curiosity gone wild. Um, guard yourself against that because then you get sidetracked and it may very well take you down a rabbit trail that has nothing to do with where they really are with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. Um, what do you guys see uh, as you teach students literally all over the world and, and you're in your own churches and at conferences? What are some of the trends you see? Maybe it's um, particular counseling topics that we need to be addressing that you're seeing in churches. Maybe it's concerns you have about, um, like you said, you know, maybe it's not uh, counseling training is not as theological as it needs to be. But trends, concerns, anything along those lines that would be helpful to share? I see the um, we've been dealing with it for years, but it's really coming down the pipe more. Just the distinguishing between addressing mental disorders as far as challenging the labels Mm -hmm. versus just addressing the mental disorder according to what Scripture says. Mm -hmm. And I think that eventually we're going to have to try to resist the battle, if you will, of just trying to challenge every label that comes out versus saying, okay, if you say you have this particular label, let's look at the characteristics of it what the Bible says about it, and then let's deal with it accordingly. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to have to move more in that direction so that regardless of what a person brings to the table, we know that they're using a secular label to discuss a spiritual issue. 
I think we need to learn the spiritual issues behind the secular labels and basically begin to give people the sufficiency of Scripture there. And I, I think we're going to have to do more of that. I see that coming more and more to yeah. where, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do the fight of challenging the labels, mm-hmm. but where someone is not able to distinguish the label from the spiritual matter, let's just deal with the spiritual matter. Yeah. And, deal, and, deal with the more substantive issue. Right, you know? right. And yeah. I think we're going to have, I see that coming more mm-hmm. and more. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think there are a couple of them. Um, one, I would say, as I see with different women as we travel around the world, would be the influence of social media and how much is it impacting you. Many do not think that it is impacting them much, but it is. It's impacting them a lot. Various forms of social media. Um, what do I mean by that? Their main meal is no longer what they get from their church on Sunday or Wednesday or Tuesday night or whatever. They're supplementing, which is fine. It's just they're supplementing from people who may not be in line with what they're learning in their churches. And so before you know it, you've got these people that are off track in your church, these ladies who are following trends uh, regarding parenting and other things that they're picking up from social media. So I think we need to really be asking people um not just how are you doing, but 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 what are you doing? Who are you listening to? Who are you feeding your soul by? What's that pastor's name or that person, that influencer? What's truly influencing you? Yeah. And we'll find that when we start seeing different things going awry in our churches, it's coming out of some social media mm-hmm. norms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we could just uh, keep on talking all afternoon, um, but uh, want to just. Thank you guys for uh, the wealth of wisdom that you bring, God's kindness in you over the years, and thank you for helping us think through some counseling topics and training issues, and I hope we can do this again sometime. But I want to thank you guys, too. I mean, you've been a blessing to me over the years just in terms of your influence, your teaching, and I know I speak for many of our listeners. Uh, Thank you for your influence and your work, and uh, may the Lord continue to bless the multiplicity of your ministries. And as you go, thanks for being with us today. Thank Thank you. you. God bless. Well, for more information about Drs. Nick and Vanessa Ellen, you can visit uh, Nick's website at mycounselingcorner.com, Vanessa's website, drvanessaellen.com, And if you're in the McGregor area of Houston, they would love for you to visit their church. Uh, Again, that is Community of Faith Bible Church at cofbc.org. And for more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, you can visit us at our website, which is thecbcd.org.